Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And Father, it's good to be back home in Sioux City. It's good to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be back uh, for the Chrism Mass and the celebration of Holy Week as we're on spring break from seminary. All the seminarians are back. Someone asked me the other day, and I know it's confusing because you're kind of still director of seminarians and diocese, but somebody just said, oh, so uh, it sounds like Father Shane's kind of back kind of back once in a while kind of comes back sometimes like maybe he could basically like oh maybe he could like still lead lead this thing or like do this thing and i was like um no father shane's full-time at the seminary and like if he's back it's like just on holiday holiday (laughs) breaks that involve some kind of rest yeah (laughs) hopefully for a limited time only i'm like no uh he's not available to be like the consistent you know i don't know pinch hitter uh, yeah pinch hitter for whatever event is in siouxland but Nevertheless, it is good to have you back. It'd be nice to be bilocating back and forth. But what does it uh, feel like? Does it does it feel like the two semesters have kind of clipped along, like you haven't oh, been yeah. away been, too long? Um, no, actually, it feels like I've been gone a long time, and it's only yeah. been about eight months. <laughs> but I think that's just because there's been so much that's happened that's mm-hmm. new. Getting used to a new seminary, a new presbyterate, getting new to know the archdiocese, formation. new PPF. The seat conference was also in yeah, St. Louis. A lot of stuff. Um, learning my way around a new city, mm-hmm. you know. So, no, it feels like it's been a while. But when I'm back here, you know, relationships are relationships yeah, and you yeah, know yeah, people yeah. and it's, it feels like it's the same place. Have but. you had um, any TED? I'm sorry to ask this. You know, we still record this uh, right at the tail end of Lent. So uh-huh. I don't want to tempt you right in the in the last moments, you know. You're a pretty disciplined guy. But have you ever, have you had Ted Drews? Oh, yes. Frozen custard yet? Um, yeah, not that impressed. Whoa! Not that impressed. Okay, so nobody <laughs> said no, and I'm 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 kind of I'm loyal. I was you know, I was a loyal St. Louisan for four years there. Um, nobody nobody said it's like the best frozen custard. It's really the kind of like ambiance and cultural experience of going to. Ted no, Jones. and I like that. It's this historic um, shop on Chippewa Street near yep. near the Old, seminary. Uh, uh, Route sixty six, right? Route yeah, Route sixty six. Route sixty six. It is. Yeah, right? that goes right through. Yeah, through St. Louis. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the experience of going there, you just feel like you're stepping into a nostalgic place. Nostalgic place. There's no, you don't go inside. You just order at the counter. You stand outside. Yeah, and there's I, always a line. Always a line. You got, you got people from, it's a melting pot. You got random habited nuns, priests, Cardinals fans. Everybody's hanging out. It's a right. good place. It's right yeah. by the seminary. Guys would always call it going on a Drew's cruise. I didn't hear that term before. It's exciting. It's when you get in a car and drive to Ted Drew's. Drew's cruise. Okay. <laughs> I learned something today about seminary and lingo. Well, it's good to have you back, especially for the Chrism Mass. Yeah, how nice it was to be able to be back and celebrate and renew our priestly promises together as a presbyter before the bishop. And then as he consecrates the sacred chrism, mm-hmm. uh, which will be used to ordain our upcoming priest, Father Peter Fahm, this coming June 3rd, mm-hmm. um, blessing the oil of the sick and the oil of catechumens, which is used throughout you know sacraments across the diocese for the next year. You know, I kind of forgot that because... When I started, um, with COVID issues and things like that, so I think the oils were just kind of sent that first year, and you just kind of take for granted that there's just these oils always available, you know, 
right, in the ambries of churches that you use for baptisms and especially chrism for baptism, but anointing the sick and everything else. Um, those are the two that priests use so often, but you kind of forget sometimes like, oh, well, these all came from the chrism mass. That's pretty cool. Right. It's a good connection back, back no, to the shepherd of our diocese. No, it's great. And as people in the Sioux City Diocese know, Bishop Nicholas has turned 75, and so we will await a new shepherd. We don't know if our new bishop will already be consecrated a bishop or if he will be a priest who needs to be consecrated. But that chrism that was that was consecrated this could, week could very, be for Very him. likely could be for the next next bishop, yeah. It could be. Mm. So we'll wait and see. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows, but it's it just good to be back and celebrate Holy Week together. Um. Father, I've been thinking a lot about evangelization this day, um, and in, well, just in recent days. Um, one of your you he- are trying to you know form men in the priesthood to be evangelists well, of so the we, gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are forming new evangelizers, um, and even with my background in fundamental theology, there's lots of of studies there that look at the foundations of what evangelization really should be. Mm-hmm. Not always in the practicalities of best practices, but in the roots, theological and anthropological roots of sure. what evangelization should be in responding to the needs of man and what God has revealed. Um, but I've just been thinking a lot about evangelization in recent days, and uh, I just kind of wanted to jam a little bit with you about what is the whole purpose of evangelization? Why do we do it? As you know, there's been this great push in recent years um, to get us out of maintenance mode and into a more missionary mindset to actually go out and share the good news with others. Uh, but why do we actually do that? I know in some of our previous conversations you have shared with me and with some of our listeners, that was a major theme throughout your seminary you know, years mm-hmm. of, of getting into that missionary mindset. Yeah, I don't think there was anything that wasn't geared toward evangelization. I know that words like, and maybe we can parse that out, words like discipleship, evangelization, mission, I don't know, witness, testimony, some of these like kind of, they're brand new for a lot of Catholics mm-hmm. or they sound kind of weird, right? Because they sound kind of, you don't hear them very often. They sound like, okay, what are all these young kids talking about being disciples of Jesus Christ? Like, what the heck does that mean? It kind of sounds like a Protestant. Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then evangelical, I mean, like all I knew of that word before I really, you know, kind of got, probably got to college seminary, honestly, was like, oh, my aunt and uncle go to an evangelical free church. Mm-hmm. Evangelicals. It's like, okay, that's like a brand of Protestantism in my experience. Okay, that's right. that's what I got. It's like, what, what is that? So, yeah, the entire time I was in seminary, you know, is marked by, as we spoke of in a recent podcast about, yeah, the, the, the number of priests, the active number of priests compared to the retired number of priests and those people coming into the, to the seminary, to the priesthood, there's this recognition that, okay, the context in which we're living the Christian life is different. The context in which we're living the Christian life is marked by a decline in priest vocations or a decline in um, religious vocations or a need for uh, more fervor in the faith, right? You mm-hmm. see like young people leaving the church all the time. So, so much was marked by this recognition, especially of us young guys in the seminary, this excitement to be priest, this excitement to preach, to celebrate the sacraments, to help people come into a deeper relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. that this idea of the new evangelization that kind of started with, I mean, it started with Jesus Christ, obviously, right. but like this focus, contemporary focus from Vatican II, Paul VI really leaning into it. And then of course, John Paul II, I mean, going around and kind of showing it. I mean, then all the other pontiffs, popes that have come in the, the last few decades who've, mm-hmm. who've like constantly taught and encouraged this new evangelization, evangelizing those who are baptized, 
perhaps catechized, sacramentalized for sure, but not necessarily in like a living relationship with Jesus. But maybe just to parse that out, Father Shane, like what would you say? Somebody's like, what is evangelization? Well, evangelization comes from the the root of the evangelion, like getting out the good news and, and sharing that testimony of God's revelation to the people of the world uh, that he has redeemed us from sin and death, right? Um, that he actually has revealed us. We're not deists. We don't think that there's just some random God out there in the universe that we don't really know anything about. We're just mm-hmm. shooting in the dark to say if we can say anything intelligent about him. Yeah. He actually has come to us and revealed himself to us in the supreme act of love, which we're celebrating as we record this here in Holy Week mm-hmm. on the cross through his passion, death, and resurrection, giving new life and a conquering over sin and death. Um, and, and I think we can take that for granted. You know, how many times have we met people who have had reversions back to the Catholic faith or who are new converts to Catholicism who have said, why didn't anyone tell me this earlier? <laughs> yeah. you, you've, you've been hiding this, this good news. You know, mm-hmm. Where's the excitement? Where's the fervor to get this out there to the whole world to say you can actually live in relationship with the living God and you can actually know what your ultimate end is with being in the halls of heaven as our destiny? Um, that should be exciting. Mm-hmm. And it should inspire a great sense of rigor in a healthy way um, to go out and, and want to share that with others. Uh, and I think, I think first and foremost, we, we need to evangelize. We need to share the good news with others out of obedience. Mm. Um, how does Matthew's gospel end? Jesus tells his disciples to go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this missionary sending forth. Uh, he commissions them the Great Commission, to go out and, and share what he has taught in all of his public witnesses and then certainly in his passion, death, and resurrection. Um, there has to be kind of that mindset that Jesus has ordered us to do this. And we don't do so you know, in, this, in a sense of slavery. Uh, it's actually a gift and a, an inspiration of joy to, to be able to go out and share with others what Jesus has done for us and for the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot recently, feeling a lot recently about the state of the church right now, the desire that I think a lot of my contemporaries, my like young friends in the presbyterate, my young lay friends, young married friends, um, other folks too in different generations, but especially this kind of like groundswell that's happening right now of of the church of like wanting to see this new evangelization actually take root like in homes and in parishes and people's lives. And we were just meeting with the you know, the, the Catholic identity subcommittee for the high school that I'm at that you were on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we're walking through um, Christendom Napstock mission at book. And it was really exciting to watch the, the folks who are on this committee, the, the, the kind of the other lay teachers who haven't really been steeped in this. Like a, a few of us have mm-hmm. watching them actually get excited and, and feeling the invitation and really the obedience of Christ to say, a Christian life lived without witness, a Christian life lived without evangelization doesn't actually make any sense. Mm-hmm. But I've been feeling in the context of all of this of like, yes, we have fewer parishes. Yes, we have fewer priests. Yes, young people have left the faith. Yes, there's this struggle, whatever. It's like, we get it. There's a problem. My, my big question is like, can someone please, and maybe this is the, you know, maybe it's the Lord's invitation for me. It's like, can we please together just turn the like switch to offense rather than this kind of defense? Mm-hmm. And that's not in a violent way. And I wonder sometimes if we've really ever been on the offense in kind of our context of like the rural Midwest here. It's like enclaves of folks who came from Germany, Ireland, Luxembourg, 
keep naming a Poland, wherever, like keep naming all the different places that folks who immigrated, right? Obviously German and Irish in a large sense, but like the towns we have, a lot of folks from the same town in Germany came and, and established a community in Lamars, for example. Mm-hmm. And they all came from the same town. They were all members of, you know, the same families that, that, that they left and they were all Catholic mm-hmm. or they were Lutheran and they went to the next town and established another community. So it was, it was more about, yeah, like this is important to us and we're going to build these beautiful churches and we're going to have these beautiful traditions because we need to pass on this faith. And then we could see that even in the priest of the time who said, no, we're going to like get on a horse and ride like 50 miles on a horse to celebrate the sacraments because this is important for the people. But there wasn't even necessarily a context of evangelization. It was like, it's just us farming in this area. There's nobody who lives in this town at the beginning who's not a member of our community, right? So it was more about, yeah, like maintaining and building something really helpful. There's just been this feeling of like, man, have we, have we really been on the kind of like offense like the apostles were? Mm-hmm. Or have we always been sort of just like trying to build up what we have, trying to educate our children in kind of defense against a Protestant country? Have we been kind of in, in defense against like a growing secular culture? And is this the time? Like it's always been the time, but like especially right now since we're aware of it, it's like where's the, I don't know, where's this offense switch that we can turn on? Oh, Sure. And I think you use the word offense well, not in the sense of like aggressiveness that we're going to go trample people, um, but offense in terms of the zeal and the impetus to go out and, and share the good news again. And you mentioned that you're working through that book uh, from Christendom to an Apostolic Age. That's the whole thrust of the book, right? Yeah. That's the whole thrust of the book that perhaps for the past century, we've just been living on the fumes of Christendom um, with with a European Christian culture. Um and, and I think those fumes have kind of just spent themselves. And uh, with the encroachment of secularism, now is the, really, now is the, the driving time to go out and renew culture yeah. once again. And you had said that there was this great impetus among European immigrants to kind of build up a Catholic culture. And I think they're, what they were doing is not necessarily just getting complacent. I think they knew that we have this deposit of faith that mm-hmm. we have to conserve and preserve and pass down to the next generation in obedience to Jesus. But we also pass it down as an act of charity, knowing that the next generation needs to know what Jesus has done for them on the cross and in the resurrection and in the ascension into heaven. But as an act of charity, also know that they have eternal life with Jesus mm-hmm. and they need to know what the end game is and the destiny for their lives. But also I think so many institutions have been have been um, created here in our you know country's history because people knew that they need needed medicine for the way, right? Mm, yeah, it's an act of charity to help people throughout life mm. to um, to uh, imbue them with the presence of God, to say with a sacramental life, with a habit of worship, of right worship of God, and with a daily rhythm of prayer, you are actually in communion with the Lord. And, and the Holy Spirit is flooding you. Yeah, and there's a recognition that I have a lack that's not filled, that I can't fill myself, mm-hmm. and that God fills that. I, I think the easy kind of contemporary criticism on that time of Christendom from outside the church is, right, it's like, oh, well, you were just kind of imposing these kind of Western ideals. You were, you were bringing in what had been passed down. You know, you're just trying to, trying to like, kind of keep this um, antiquated medieval thing kind of going, even though it was kind of falling apart, right? That was, like, the idea is that that's what you wanted. But to recognize, no, like, the lay people who moved there first as pioneering farmers, they had a, re- a, a realization, like, we need God in our life, right? Mm-hmm. We're not that, like, we put the seed in the ground, but, like, it, we don't make it grow. Right. Like, there's a recognition, like, oh, God, we're in God's care. 
right. we need the sacraments, right? And then the, all those um, women religious who helped run all these schools and open the schools and and just like catechize so many children. There's this recognition that no, we we need the gift of the faith mm-hmm. in our life. This isn't just something on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something like as important as medicine is for healing. That's yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, all of those people that have kept the faith going here in the Midwest and, and around the world. I think of their family homes and they probably had what so many families have is like a little medicine cabinet, right? Sure. That your parents would go to the medicine cabinet and get the Tylenol, get the aspirin, get the cough syrup, whatever was needed. <laughs> like the, uh, my big fat Greek wedding, it's like Windex is the cure-all for any kind of ailment. <laughs> yeah. I, apparently my great my, my great uncle said that my great grandpa's thing was Vicks. Oh, Vicks Vapor Rub. Just yeah, like you so put many. it on anything. Or, so, yeah. the, the joke was always like, can you even eat it? It's like, well, what? I don't know about that. <laughs> That's what he said he did. Okay. That's a little extreme. But anyways, <laughs> most families have a medicine cabinet where you know that's the go-to place when there is need of restoration, when there's need of healing. And for people who have maintained a very strong practice of faith, they know that their faith and they know that passing on the traditions of our faith to the next generation serves as a medicine cabinet. There's a witness in that evangelization to say, life is difficult, but we know where it's heading. And if you want food for the journey— if you want God's sacramental grace, his power, and his divine life active in you, mm-hmm. here's a medicine cabinet. Uh, it's what the church can offer you. Mm. And, and it assists you in your Christian journey of discipleship all the way to eternal life. Um, and I, I think we lose that sense that you need not do this alone, that there actually is support for the journey, not only in the shared Christian experience of being you know, brothers and sisters with one another, building up the body of Christ as a family of Just God. life. But we actually get to have God's divine life shared with us now. Mm. It's not just, well, you have to endure life and then boom, you see the Trinity in the world to come. No, you're actually in relationship now. And literally in your own body and in your own soul, God's life is being shared with you in a mystical union through sacramental grace. This is what sanctifying love offers us, Mm. right? Um, and, and that's that runs much deeper than just putting Vicks vapor rub on your chest, right? Yeah. This is actually stepping into divine union, even as his creatures, imbalanced as the relationship might be. Mm. Um, you know, you and I have had conversations before about this helpful image that you use with sprinkled donuts, um, <laughs> and maybe you could share that with some of our listeners in in, in context of this with yeah. the mission of evangelization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody knows that Casey's donuts are wonderful. Yes. Um, again, not the Midwest you. chain. Again, I'm, from I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sweet guy. Not to tempt you right now during Lent. I know. Um, I went to your seminary. I thought we could get some of those sisters cookies. Not and during Lent. Shut that down. Well, I think Father Don Morris shut that down last year. But anyways, okay, that's, go ahead. That's good to know. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, anyways, I just, I appreciate that through line, Father Shane, that you had where it's like, okay, there's just obedience to evangelize. The Lord has invited us to it, but it's not just this kind of like, blind obedience or like moralism where it's like, well, I have to do it. Otherwise he's going to beat me up. Right. Right. It's just like, well, that's not it because there's actually a real need in the human heart. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think like, are we aware of either one of those things? Right. And this, I've used this so many times at like confirmation retreats. It just came to me. And then when I was at Milford at St. Joseph's for a confirmation retreat, there were actually uh, Casey's cake donuts available. And okay. there was, this had come to me just randomly in like a talk. And then I was there and I looked and there was in fact sprinkled and non-sprinkled cake donuts. Right. Okay. And, <clears throat> What's funny is you go to if you go to you know a Casey's as you do, um, because as their tagline says they're here to stay, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mm-hmm. in Northwest Iowa throughout well all over the place now in the Midwest, um, you go to the donut case you will find an assortment 
of cake donuts and various flavors of, of donut itself, icing, and then the combination of kind of, you have sprinkles, you have nuts, you have coconut on top, right? Mm -hmm. All these different types, right? Well, what I just brought up the one time when I was just getting fired up about this idea of evangelization, especially this idea of young people just receiving the faith as something that's worthwhile, right? Mm -hmm. That is a medicine, that is like a, a mandate from God, right? Okay, receiving these things. So often, young people in the church, in the context of faith formation programs, <clears throat> uh, Catholic high schools, like just in homes, is so difficult to receive and it's so difficult to evangelize, so difficult to take seriously because in the culture, secular culture, here's the analogy that you just like, you know, teed me up for. It's like, it really does feel like most people see uh, faith, whatever that might be, whatever mm -hmm. that means, right? An experience of relationship with God or like everything that falls from that, right? A life of the sacraments, the liturgy, um, a life of prayer, a life of morality, whatever that is. That's just like sprinkles. Mm -hmm. It's like if, if our life is just like this donut, it's like, well, yeah, you want to live the best life. But it's like, really, if you try uh, a, an unsprinkled cake donut and a sprinkled cake donut, I did it with the blind taste test with the kid in Milford. Okay. And you can't really taste the difference. It's like it adds a little texture, a little texture, mm -hmm. and more sugar. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, I mean, but a donut has so much sugar already that there's no, it doesn't do anything for you. Right. All it does is like kind of make it look fun. Right. Right. So I just, I really feel that sometimes where it's like, oh, that tolerance right now that we all have contemporary society. It's like, hey, you, you're a sprinkles guy. Hey, that's fine. I'm not, but you can be a sprinkles guy if you want, and I'll be a non sprinkle guy if I want. Right. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the thought. That's what it feels like sometimes where it's like, even, even people where it's like, oh, that's so good. You just like want to help people as a priest. That's, mm -hmm. that's great. You just come sprinkle light. You get little sprinkles on your donut, but like me, no, I'm fine without the sprinkles. You know, right. I'm just okay with it. Um, that's what I've gotten revved up when I've given these confirmation retreat talks. It's just mm -hmm. like, if the faith is just sprinkles on a donut, mm -hmm. if our if our life is basically the same without Christ in it or not, then you and I have completely wasted our time, right? Then mm -hmm. any of you listening to this podcast are absolutely wasting your time, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a million other things you could be doing right now than trying to, I don't know, grow in a relationship with God. You could just be trying to be the best version of yourself or something out there mm -hmm. somewhere, just working harder. Yeah, I think we're doing a lot more than just passing out sprinkles here and there. Um, and the donut itself, according to Catholic theology, you know, there is this reality of original sin that we profess, right? There's actually a reason why Jesus had to come and, and redeem us from our condemnation to sin and slavery. And you can't say that. It's like that left to your own devices. You probably won't just like be the perfect person in the world. Yeah. 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 And that faith is just something that's like, oh, it'll just like add to that. What no. you can do on your own. No, we as Catholic Christians understand that there is a depravity of original justice and holiness. I mean, this is what the doctrine of original sin states, that there is a, there's a seasickness in all of us that we're not quite on stable ground left to our own devices. And that what Jesus comes to provide in sharing his divine love and his, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, divine life within us, and the good news of eternal salvation, that's more than just sprinkles on the top. That's actually changing us and healing us from within. It's like one might say changing the batter yeah. of the cake donut itself. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll leave the donut analogies for now, but uh, it's a fun, it's a fun uh, thing. And everyone's now, you know, running to Casey's donuts as they listen to this uh, wait for podcast. Easter, wait for Easter. Yeah. So just, you know, just to wrap up, um, when we think about evangelization, like what are we really about? Well, we take the command of the Lord seriously we're a people of charity, knowing that others really need this good news, and that we understand that a life with God is like a medicine cabinet fixing the soul in union with him, that there's actually support and food for the journey. 
So to keep that in mind as you're thinking about sharing the good news with others, and if you're, if you're having any hesitations about what do I really want to offer to others, maybe to keep some of these thoughts in, in mind. Father Travis, it's always good to be with you. Likewise, Father Shane. Hopefully we can eat a donut together sometime soon, Can't with wait. or without sprinkles. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.